It's easy to pay money and take. That's easy to do. You grow much more from contributing. So if you're really talking about from a business becoming better, open source allows you that practice of contributing, not just consuming, allows you to become a better organization. You're listening to Azure Success, the podcast by and for Azure professionals. Listen in and you'll be sure to speed your customer's march into the cloud. And now, your host, Lois Berman. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Azure Success. I'm Lewis Berman, your host, and I'm really pleased today to be with James Jenis. Junior. He's a principal cloud solutions architect. I'm just a senior cloud solutions architect, which means James can probably tell me what to do in the schoolroom and other stuff. We'll ask him what that is. I've looked up what genus means. It means a principal taxonomic category that ranks above species and below family and is denoted by a capitalized Latin name, example, Leo with a capital L. And I can assure you he should rank above me. And Lots of other people. Great guy. Very, very knowledgeable at open source. Why don't you say hi, James? Say hi to everyone. Hi, Lewis. You are uh, too kind. Thank you for having me here. He's I trying not really to laugh. Above anybody. So. <laughs> He's trying not to laugh. He's a great guy, though. Super, super, super knowledgeable about his topic. And so today's topic is selling open source. Now, to be granted, I made the thing up as sort of a catchy thing, but the whole idea of Azure success is we talk about the what, why, and how. Basically, what is a thing, in this case, open source? Why it should be interesting to ourselves and our customers? And finally, how to get our customers and ourselves to adopt it and our colleagues. So James, what is open source? (laughs) I don't know if I ever asked that question. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And from my view, Open source is actually more of a process than a product, as it were. Open source is a way of inviting people to actually contribute, right? So instead of just going somewhere and buying what someone or using what someone has created, part of the open source thinking is, can I contribute, right? If something doesn't do what I want it to do, can I create that functionality? Can I contribute to that process to improve the overall product? And that product might be software. It might be a car, right? It could be a different form of a legal system. So it's not necessarily just tied to software. But in the context of our discussion, Lewis, we're talking about software open source. So hopefully I answered your question before. Yeah, no, very, very cool. And I want to quote you. There was a time, quote unquote, when you said, if you brought open source into your organization, you get fired right? So that feels old school to me, but talk about that. It's like, there's still some latent fear. I'm using open source. Ooh, bad, open something. So I will date myself. I've been using computers for a long time. And early on, really in order to use something that had a computer, you had to actually have significant material resources, right? Computers were not cheap. Software was not cheap. And so The open source movement came about because in lots of ways, people didn't have the personal funds to buy software, so they would create their own, and then they would share that. So the challenge that comes with that for businesses, if there's some problem with the software and your business is running on that software and you lose money, at least in the beginning, who do you call to have them fix this, right? And so that's the reason why 
early on in my career, you didn't openly use open source software. And so we'll talk about the late 80s, early 90s. When you were about four years old, I believe, right? <laughs> the late, the right. late 80s we'll and early that. 90s. <laughs> right. We'll say that. Um, the camps that people lived in were pretty well defined, right? You had the Microsoft camp, you had Apple camp, you had IBM, right? You might have had some death stuff, whatever the, what was popular back then and in use. Those groups didn't really always work together. People were pretty firm in where they stood, let's put it that way. So that's why using open source for something like Linux, right? I worked at a software company and I needed to have another computer, but they wouldn't provide one for me. So I used a Linux virtual machine to run my database so that the application could actually be shown, you know, interacting from a Windows machine, talking to a Linux machine in a MySQL database, right? Improve the application worked as designed. They found out about it after I had done it. I didn't ask them permission to do it. I just did it and we moved forward. So I lucked out there. So is it fair to say that in the modern world, it's no longer pejorative, right? It's just the software is important, not necessarily that it is open versus not. If it's good software, that's great. If it's open, that makes you feel better probably. But it's the software that's ultimately being produced. Is that right or am I missing something? It is the software, but it's also the hardware, right? So the open source approach can be used for both, right? So let's take the example of data centers. In the past, and if you go back far enough, like you would hire really smart engineers to design hardware that could do very specific things. So when you actually bought different hardware, you got different capabilities in that hardware. And you could make the argument there was a reason to do that going back to the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Early parts of the 2000s come up and you say, you know what, it's really expensive to engineer hardware that way. Not only is it expensive, I can't find enough smart people to do this work. So if I can start using something that's more open and I can share, I can open up a project on data center design and people collaborate and share, then we can all end up with a solution that gets better over time. And we can all learn from each other. And for businesses, they don't necessarily have to hire the people in the open source community, although oftentimes that does happen, right? So if I love doing server design a certain way and I'm contributing to this open source community, then I might get called by like a, a computer manufacturer, right? And they'll say, hey, James, you're doing this stuff. We'd like to offer you a job here, right? Keep working in the open source community. So it can be for hardware and it can be for software. But the idea is we all share, we all contribute, we all improve over time. That's a very different model. That's a very different model than saying, like, I just want all this stuff to be like all Apple and Mac OS, right? Or all Microsoft or all. That was it back in the day, right? Now, of course, open source ranges in scale, right? So I've contributed to a bunch of open source projects. I've created open source projects of my own, as well as the pull requests, or we didn't even call them pull requests in the early days, just adding code to things. So one of the things I like about it best, of course, is that I get to dip my toe in. And very often, it's not just the big project with the big quotes around it, you know, an operating system or word processor stuff, but it's a little utility or as a developer for me, I find it really important to have libraries that I could compose my applications from. So can you talk about the various scales that open source lives at? 
that's a really good observation. At least in this day and age, that people can start out from the beginning with sharing. And it might be something really simple. Like one time I was doing something with an actual project that started out as closed source, the proprietary. And they were moving to an open source model. And I happened to find a bug somewhere. I found a bug, I reported the bug, and I could have gone the other way and not done anything, right? But if you're talking about contributing and making the process better, I notified the creators of the bug. And then later on, they were like, oh, James did such and such, right? But I became a contributor, not just a consumer of that. And it wasn't a huge contribution either. It was just like maybe they needed to do SSL versus non-SSL. But the idea was it was a very small contribution that I could get back and say, hey, I did this. So I contributed to this project moving forward. That's the same principle, Lewis, that you might do with your libraries, right? You may share your libraries and someone in New Jersey or someone in Mumbai or someone in Tokyo may say, you know what? I like what Lewis is doing, but I needed to do this. Let me contribute it to the project, right? And if you own the project, Lewis, you decide whether or not it gets incorporated. And assuming it does, then all of a sudden you're getting the benefit. Your project is getting the benefit of the thinking of other humans, which means the potential for that project to better serve a population increases. That's the real value of open source. I've always been a fan of open source with little letters, right? And stuff and anything, technology with little letters. So my favorite thing with open source, quite frankly, is the fact that more and more documentation is going open source now. And so I like to correct documentation. Like we're doing an open hack training today. Myself and our colleague, James Vega, Juan Vega, excuse me. I'm saying James. I have James on the mind. So we're doing a project and today we discovered a bunch of problems with the project that we're doing and we would love love to be able to contribute to the documentation of it in this particular case there was no way to do that but we had a conversation with a group of people who are putting it together who think that's a great idea and that they're going to support that in the future so i like it so that's what open source is but let's talk about why it's important and useful for your firm, yourself, whatever organization level you're at, why you should adopt open source and why you should potentially do it broadly like Microsoft. Like Microsoft, people usually don't think of us as an open source company, but we have more open source repositories than any other company in the world. We're participating in open source more than any other company in the world. Why should your company, not Microsoft, be part of it? Thank you for sharing that because part of the reason that I came to Microsoft, I actually used to work at Red Hat. And I was told that I did not have to leave my open source experience to come to Microsoft. And so if we go back historically, those camps were pretty well fixed, right? Linux and Windows, those two did not meet. And those were cultural differences. But Microsoft decided to change its direction. And part of the reason is that open source means, I, I keep coming back to this, lots of people around the globe can contribute. There's no way that Microsoft is going to know if someone in Namibia right, or Brazil may be able to solve the problem. If it's closed source, we know they can't contribute. We know that we will lose out on the brilliant minds of other humans on the planet. So why would a business use open source for the very same reasons? right? You get the potential for a better solution to a business challenge or problem. 
and you get the benefit. Someone else may have already encountered the same challenge you have, and they've got a way to move past it. So you don't have to create the wheel yourself, right? You can just use that, or you can contribute to it and improve the situation for someone else. That right there is the value. Now, there are lots of places where I've worked in the past that would say, you know what, we don't have a legal requirement to use open source or to even pay for open source. That's kind of how I ended up at Red Hat. I wasn't going to argue with the executive at the time, but I felt I had been using Linux so long and it had provided so much value that I needed to contribute back to the company that made that possible. So I went to work for Red Hat. And it is this aspect of not just taking, right? It's easy to pay money and take. That's easy to do. You grow much more from contributing. So if you're really talking about from a business becoming better, open source allows you that practice of contributing, not just consuming, allows you to become a better organization over time. That sounds great. Do you have a favorite piece of open source? Well, I love Linux. So that's probably, as an operating system, it's probably just Linux. So that's what I use the most. And actually, when you look at what's going on in the world, right, most of the innovation that you see happening globally is because of the Linux kernel and the fact that it was shared with the world community, right? The fact that somebody in New Hampshire, Mad Dog, decided to host that code, right, in New Hampshire, University of New Hampshire, so that the rest of the world can have access to this work. That alone, I love Linux, just in general. So. That's cool. So I'm a programmer at heart, and so my favorite open source product of all time has got to be Roslyn. I program in C Sharp, and to be able to look at the innards of the .NET compiler, or it's called a compiler platform, I guess Roslyn is no longer the active name we're supposed to use with it, but it is really, really changed my world. So this is great. So we have a sense of the what and why, but let's talk about the how do we sort of spread this? How do we convince others? How do we help them get on the bandwagon? There are several ways to do it. I know in my personal experience, the how I did it was to actually do it myself, share it, what I had done with other people, and let them see that it was possible. Because for lots of people, they didn't believe that these things can work, right? There was this culture that we have to go to proprietary for everything and that open and working together is not the way forward. So I would say, first of all, you can show by example what's possible. That's really the best teacher is the example. What does that mean for an individual? That oftentimes means you need to get involved in some sort of open source community and start contributing to that community, right? And then as you contribute and are using the contributions that you make, then that becomes the example that other people can see. And I always start with really small things that are not mission critical because, hey, if it can do this and prove it works there well, then it can probably work somewhere else pretty well too. And then you take small steps forward, right? I oftentimes think that in nature, anything that grows really fast typically doesn't live a long time. So if you really want something to last a long time, it kind of grows slowly. You nurture it. You take care of it, right? You make sure that it has what it needs to survive. And so the same thing happens in business. Start with a small project, get some success, right? Something that the business doesn't depend on. And then once you have that success, then you can move that to other places in the business. This sort of matches the ethos in a way, right? Start small, do it yourself. Get your hands dirty. 
Yeah, start small, do it yourself, share, and ask for contributors. That's it. So that's great for a guy like me who likes to get his hands in dirty. What if you're a top office sort of guy, a CEO, CFO? How do you convince those people that this is the right way to go? It was much more difficult 20 years ago to convince them that it was the way to go. And in fact, 20 years ago, they didn't believe it was the path. And so even though their businesses may have been running on open source, they just didn't believe it. So how did I convince them? I go and talk to these executives about what it is to be part of a community and how really what we're talking about is how are we helping each other learn and grow and be better over time? Because if we do that, the business gets better, the individuals in the business get better, right? If we just stay where we are, life moves on around us. It's not like we don't grow anymore. It's almost as if if you don't consciously start participating, you cease to exist. You cease to have relevance. And I think that belief that we can be passive in life as opposed to being active, right? A CEO or an executive can actively encourage their staff to go out and participate in these communities. And they can actually help the project better serve the business needs. So that's how I frame these discussions, right? You can wait for stuff to happen to you, or you can actually go out and participate in it. Make it what you need it to be. Be active. I like that as a theme just for life, period, right? I was going to sort of hijack you and ask you to tell me something clever and put you on the spot, but you've already just said it. Learn and grow and get better together over time. I really like that concept. So it's not just technical, right? It is people and processes, if you will. So I like that. This has been really great. I appreciate it. Do you want to leave us with any final words? You've spoken on it so well. I don't know if there's anything more to say, but I'd love to hear anything more you'd like to say. I would just like to say thank you, Lewis. No one's ever asked me these questions in this way before. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. I really don't think about necessarily how I got to where I am in life, but it was really the open source model, which was you work together with people and you actively try to find ways to collaborate. So thank you. I appreciate that. You're very much welcome. So I'm talking with James Janis Jr., Principal Cloud Solution Architect at Microsoft and expert on open source. And here's where I would normally put in a tagline, but this podcast is new and I haven't really thought of anything clever to say. So I'm going to say, just insert clever thing here and thank you for listening. Beautiful. All right. Thank you, Lewis. You've been listening to Azure Success, the podcast by and for Azure professionals. You can visit our website, azure-success.com for show notes, helpful links, and other episodes, but also to leave your questions, comments, and suggestions. Thank you for listening.